Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. We are live at Rivers Casino in Philadelphia. And Joe, the Flyers are coming off a highly successful road trip. They swept their three-game road swing. They've won four straight. They already have more road wins this season than they did all of last season. And they're in second place in the Metropolitan Division. Joe, on this road trip, what stuck out to you most? What were the, the most, the biggest positives that you saw in these three games? So, um, I'm gonna. What I'm gonna say is, being undermanned and playing back to backs. It's almost as if somebody. This if this team, you know, they have ignored the. You're not supposed to be, win this game. You're not supposed to be this good. Kind of, just put all that aside because. There's a lot of that talk, and it's starting to feel like the only people who didn't think that were them. Yeah. Um, John Tortorella on down the roster, including the front office, um, because we, we talked to Jonesy earlier in the year, and he wasn't surprised by their start when seemingly everyone else was. And it just continues to be like, oh, big! this is going to be a tough one against the Jets tonight, and they go out and win 2 nothing. I mean, I don't know what more you can say about how – this team continues to defy the odds and the sort of the schedule when it's stacked against them. And um, I mean, you, you hear John Tortorella talk about the schedule and whether he's doing it for mind games or not, he'll talk about the schedule like it's stacked against them. And then the players go out and play like it's not. And it's, it's really a testament to the guys on this team and the coach, and I think the messaging and the attitude from the front office on down, it's always been consistent, and you notice they keep winning, but they're not talking about, you don't hear people talking about like in the spring, in the playoffs, and blah, blah, you, nobody's talking about that. They're talking about right now, and they're talking about, you know, we got Dallas on Thursday or Dallas and Colorado coming in. You don't hear them talking about next month, two months, anything like that. And I think it's a um, it's an interesting approach. Um, I don't know that I believe John Tortorella when he says he's not looking at the standings, but whether they're looking or not, it's not affecting their play. Nobody's getting caught up in, hey, we're in second place or we're in third place or we're in a wild card or these teams are breathing down our neck. They're just going out, playing the team that's on the schedule, and then moving on to the next game. And really, I mean, when you factor it all in, I – 
we did a, we did a little segment the other night on pregame about the signature wins this team has, and there's nothing to let. I mean, they beat Vancouver twice. I know one of them was in the beginning of the season, but you beat Vancouver twice. You went to Denver and you won against the Avalanche in their building. You beat the Jets in their building. I mean, these you beat the Kings in their building. These are not wins to just kind of like say, oh, you, you, it's not like oh, you got lucky or. These are big time wins. And I don't know if teams are taking the Flyers lightly, but I don't get the sense they are. And if they're taking them lightly at this point, then that's their problem. Because I I don't even know if it is an argument that they're the biggest surprise in the NHL. And they're one of the biggest stories in the NHL so far. Yeah, you look at the signature wins. I mean, they've played the Jets and Canucks a combined three times. They won all three games by a combined score of 8-1. to one. I mean, the, th- those are the two top teams in the league. They've given up one goal in three games. Like, they've – they signature win after signature win. And I thought the road trip, Joe, really showed me their depth. Um, and the reason why we saw their depth was because they missed Sean Couturier for two games. They missed Jamie Drysdale for two games. And they won in different ways. I feel like teams with, with good depth that can make up for absences, they win in different ways. And we saw that. Over the course of the road trip, they had a comeback win against Minnesota. They had a game where they really dictated play against Winnipeg. And then the final game of the trip where maybe they're a little tired uh, and they played with the lead the entire time for the most part against St. Louis. They never trailed in that game. So they're, they're winning in different ways and they did it without Couturier for two games. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And if you if you look at just the teams you mentioned there, the Jets and the Canucks, the Canucks, that they are an offensive powerhouse. They score a ton of goals, and the Flyers beat them. The Jets are a defensive team that don't give up any goals. They don't score a ton, but they don't give up any goals, and the Flyers beat them. So you mentioned they're winning in different ways. It's It seems like whatever that particular game requires, they come out and they're prepared to play that way. And it's really impressive. And, um, you know, these are... Listen, I'm not saying they're traveling, you know, on a uh, uh, coach with, you know, crying kids behind them, but it is a lot of travel. And it's not like they're going in and out of cities that are easy at this time of the year, Minnesota, Winnipeg. I mean, you know, you look at some of the temperatures at that last trip that they were at. I mean, it's not like it's the easiest travel in the world. With that said, they haven't come out of the gates. I, I know they got down in a couple of games, but it's not like they've come out of the gates and you're like, wow, this team looks really sluggish. I haven't felt like that in any of the games. And you would expect it to happen. The Winnipeg game is a back-to-back. You're missing players. You're playing the best team in the NHL in a tough building to play in. That would be a game where you would expect a young team, or any team for that matter, to come out a little sluggish. And they just didn't. They didn't at all. And sometimes you'll see teams... Uh, with their goalies, they'll fall off maybe with their backup or their starter, obviously, uh, is better than their backup, and they ride that starter, and then they look like a different team. I mean, they're for the most part, they've rotated Hart and Erickson for quite a bit now, and they just they don't miss a beat. It's just like it doesn't matter who's in net. Erickson delivers the shutout against Winnipeg. Hart wins the other two games of the trip. I thought he was really good against St. Louis, uh, and he's given up three or fewer goals in 18 of his 23 decisions this year. And we all know that Ron that Erickson's been on. He's been fantastic. So the, the ingredients in net, to me, are really, really impressive. They're giving them a chance to win every night. And I feel like the Flyers are also helping their goalie, too. We haven't seen that combination, I think, 
for a Flyers team in qu- in quite a while. Would you agree? Yeah, the block. I mean, the block shots. Guys are just selling out, and it's not like it's just defensemen. I mean, we saw Faraby take a dive the other night and take one right up, and you know, in the upper body, just get up and keep playing. I mean, all these guys have bought in. Uh, they're helping their goalies out, and then when the shots don't get blocked, the goalies are stopping them. And you know, when you le- when 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 the NCAA tournament is approaching and you start, they start doing those things where they put the question mark and they put a team's resume, you know, this per this team versus this team. Yeah. Yeah. So if you did that with the Flyers goaltenders and you put their numbers side by side and took their names and pictures off, I don't think anybody could tell you who the starter is. Yeah. And I think that's huge. I don't know that that's a formula to win in a playoff series, for example. Um, we haven't really seen that. That's not what history would tell you. That's not the way to go in the playoffs. But for right now, when you're getting this kind of play from both of these guys, why not keep it going? I mean, you're keeping both of them fresh. Um, both guys seem to be in on the plan. It doesn't seem like anybody's getting frustrated with lack of playing time or anything like that. So, of course, Carter Hart has had some illness issues, which is, you know, that's Erickson was able to build up a lot of starts over that time. So I think that that has benefited everybody. And, you know, these these two guys motivate each other, I think. At least it seems that way. And um, that isn't a bad thing for a team that is – I mean, we've talked about how they're learning how to win. I I think they've learned how to win. I think they know how to win. And now it's just a matter of their – talent going out and producing the way they're capable of because they're doing it without a star there's been a lot written and a lot talked about about how this team doesn't have a star but the carolina hurricanes don't have a star um uh, you know i'm not sure vancouver has patterson but it's not like vancouver has tons of stars um so i i don't necessarily think that's a necessity in the NHL when you play a team game that's solid on both ends. And that's what the Flyers have right now. Celebrity cook Steve Martirano brings his Italian-American cooking back home to Philly. Enjoy Martirano's Prime at Rivers Casino and Steve's famous meatballs with Sunday gravy, prime steaks, and more. Make reservations for Martirano's Prime on Open Table. Joe, I do feel like uh, that's going to be a thing we hear a lot is the Flyers don't have a star, but I feel like they do have a couple names. I mean, to me, Sean Couturier is a name. It's a name that's fallen off a little bit because of the injuries and the 22 months he went without playing a regular season game. And Travis Konechny, I think, is really getting there. He's starting to blossom into a name. And Tippett. Tippett's and, getting there, too. Yeah. And it's, I guess when I say star, they don't have a, a McDavid, a yeah. Crosby. like A McKinnon. Or, yeah. But a lot of teams don't have those. Yeah. I mean, we just named three of them. Like, who has other guys like that? Who has – it's not like every team that's ever won in this league is at stars. Um, the St. Louis Blues, for example, won the Stanley Cup in 2019. They didn't really have a – they didn't have a superstar on their team. Yeah. Um, and I'm not – I am not saying this team right now is thinking about winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah. But what I am saying is you can win in this league without a, 
without a bona fide superstar on your team if everybody that's playing chips in. And that's what we're seeing a lot of right now with these Flyers wins. It's different guys every game. It's Tippett for a stretch, and it's Konechny for a stretch. And then, you know, Ryan Paling gets in the mix, and he's scoring goals. And you have Garnet Hathaway out there every night just being noticeable and m- making key plays. You have the defensemen chipping in. You have the, the block shots. You have a lot of things that when you put them together right now, it's equaling a lot of wins, getting points, and really, you know, making it interesting in the Eastern Conference because I think a lot of these teams that are the below the Flyers right now, the Penguins, the Devils, I'm pretty sure they didn't before the season think about the Flyers as being an obstacle that they would have to get around to just get in the playoffs, and now they are. I agree too. I think if you have a balanced team and and if you're if you're well coached, I mean that that gives you a chance to be in a playoff push like the Flyers are. And I'm with you. I'm not saying they're going to make a run to the Stanley Cup. The fact that they're in a playoff race right now is a positive, I think, for the Flyers and and their process, especially in off season with so much change, all these rebuilding type of moves, and the organization really embracing rebuild. And then here they are; they're actually making things interesting and. Fans, I think, are going to start coming back to the building. That's a, all a positive, but I think they're just a well-coached team that's balanced, and that gives you a chance. Joe, I think w- one thing that's been debated, and it's going to be debated even more as this season moves along here, are the Flyers for real? Are they a team that can actually stay in this playoff race and grab a playoff spot and maybe do something with this season? It's over halfway through the season now. How do you feel about it? I, I don't think you – I think at this point, you have to say it's for real because the reason they're being they're successful what kind of what i just mentioned they're getting scoring up and down the lineup they're having they're showing depth now they're staying healthy so that could always derail anything it could derail any team a team full of superstars could be derailed by injury but injury aside this is absolutely for real and it's because of the way they play in terms of the blocking shots and everyone buying in and sort of protecting the house and um that is something that we've seen john tortorella have success with in other places where they didn't have stars so i have absolutely say they're for real and um i i would just say if you when you just alluded to their growth and if we remember when the flyers played the rangers earlier this year and how wide of a gap it seemed like between the rangers and the flyers last night the flyer the the Rangers entered their game last night two points ahead of the Flyers in the division. If you think about how far the teams come since that time they played the Rangers, I mean, that right there is proof enough that, I mean, now the Rangers have dipped a little bit, but, I mean, that is that is quite a, If you went out and told the average fan that last night, even watching how the Flyers have played this year, if you went and said, well, the Flyers are only two points back of the Rangers, I don't think most people even know that. Yeah. It's because it's, it's not a thing where the Eagles were still going on, Sixers are playing well. I'm not sure everybody is catching up to this yet, but I think it starts now. Um, the Eagles are out of the playoffs. People are looking for something to latch on to. And we've already seen it in the building. We're start. We're seeing it with the people people watching the games and the, some of the buzz. We saw it with the Cutter Gauthier thing a couple of weeks ago. There's starting to be some buzz, and I think it's really going to pick up now. 
Absolutely. And I'm at the point where I, I need to see them fall off to believe they're going to fall off. I could, like you just keep waiting. You keep wondering what, how, uh, how often is it still too early? I mean, this is over half, halfway through the season. I mean, they're over halfway through the year and they're in second place and they've got six wins over top 10 teams. They've got three wins over the top two teams in the league. And yeah, I'm at the point where I, I really need to see it to believe it that they're going to just fall off the side of a cliff. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think they're going to stay in the race all the way up until the trade deadline. I think March is going to be awfully interesting to see what they do there in terms of their team and makeup. Uh, Joe, one thing I do think is worth watching is their schedule is still really tough. Uh, they still have to play. They have not played four of the uh, top five teams in the Atlantic division. So they still have 12 games against the Bruins, Maple Leafs, Lightning, and Panthers. Uh, a bunch of teams with pedigree, teams that are good this year and have been good in years past. I think that's really going to test the Flyers uh, a ton. So I think the schedule gets tougher. Um, but to the Flyers' credit, they've answered a ton of challenges this year. Uh, so I think there's reason to believe that they can go into those games and and hold their own and still keep themselves afloat and keep themselves in it. Uh, but without a doubt, they, I mean, they've answered the bell in a ton of ways. And it, to me, I'm at the point where I'm like, yeah, they, they are better than what I thought and what so many other people thought. Do I know where this goes? I don't. But I do think they are exceeding expectations by a lot. And it's over halfway of a sample size. I mean, it's not a month. It's not a winning streak. It's This is over half of a season. Yeah, and, and some of these games, you go into them and, you know, they get down a couple of goals. They've gotten down three goals. And you almost have this feeling like, oh, is this where it comes apart? And then it doesn't. Next thing you know, it's 3-2. They're back in the game. They win the game. They take the game to overtime. They just, they don't, they don't get blown, like, they don't get blown off the ice. Yeah. This is what we've seen in the past few years. 3 nothing turns into 5 nothing, or it turn, you know, and it turn, these turn into these catastrophic losses. It's not happening this year. And to me, that is the key. If you're never out of a game, you're going to win a lot of games. And, um... I think it wears on an opponent's psyche when you get up on a team and you kind of back off and then they're right back in there. And now teams are going to know they can't take this team lightly now. You mentioned some of the teams they haven't played yet. Um, so that's going to be a test. But, I mean, they haven't really failed any tests yet this year. So we shouldn't. We, we can't assume they're going to fail any tests going forward until what happens in front of us. So I really think um, this, I think this team right now is up for any challenge that's in front of them because they faced bad spots and things like schedule losses that they win. Winnipeg, for example. So I think they're, they're up for any challenge that's in front of them. And the coach is going to make sure to keep them level and not start getting ahead of themselves because he preaches it all the time. He won't let the media ask about standings or playoffs or immediately shuts that all that talk down. And uh, I think it's spread through the team because it's a young team. So it's not like you have a bunch of players who are veterans who are used to looking at the standings all the time. Some of them are, but I think – his message is definitely getting across, and you can see it by the way they play. 
yeah, Tortorella is very much a motivation scientist. Like when the public and the media are maybe bashing his team or criticizing it, he knows how to like level it out and bring them up. Same thing when they're playing real well and maybe people are pumping their tires. He knows how to bring them down and just say, next game, next game. We still need to get better here or there. Uh, he's very good at that. I mean, yeah, there's a reason why he's coached this, this many games in the league and uh, has produced a Stanley Cup champion and has been in the playoffs here more often than not. Uh, he's very good at that stuff. Uh, J- I mean, just think about if you think to an example of that when they go on this, when they went on this road trip before it started. The first time he talked after they left, what was the first thing he talked about? It was how bad they were in the third period against Montreal. Mm. Montreal, that was a game they were down to nothing, and they came back and won. And he started by talking about how how bad they were in the third. So always keeping a, you know, let's keep going. We have to get better here, like you said. And that, I think that's key. Indeed. And if people were to ask me, why should they watch the Flyers? Like, I would tell them they're far from perfect. They don't always light up the scoreboard, but I'm, I'm they're competitive and they're entertaining. I mean, a ton of overtime games, whether that's good for stress levels of the fans or not, uh, it's entertaining. Uh, they're competitive. They've come back a lot. Joe, I can't recall many clunkers. I really can't off the top of my head. I can't think of many clunkers where I was like, wow, that was just an awful game from them. The Rangers is about the only that one. That might be that's the only why one. I brought yeah. that up earlier. It's a good one. I think it was 4-1 to one, if I remember. Yeah, and it just seemed like they were out of the game right away. Yeah. So, But other than that, I mean, none of, none of these games come to mind. Yeah. I mean, I can remember clunkers from last year better than I can remember ones yeah. from this year. That's very true. That's a good point. It tells you a lot about this mm-hmm. season compared to yeah. last. Joe, one thing I think really worth watching is the decisions they're going to have. If they stay healthy, and I think that's such a good point, I think they have to stay healthy if they're going to keep this up. I think they're, they could lose a key piece, and I think they could struggle. Um, but if they stay healthy, they're going to have decisions in the lineup. One thing I've noticed is Bobby Brink, has, his role is significantly diminished uh, over the last five games. His last five games, he's played ten and a half minutes per game. He sat the first game of this road trip. I wonder where that goes with Bobby Brink. But how do you think they handle all of this in terms of trying to keep kids in the lineup, playing important minutes, but also not losing sight of some of their veterans? Well, they're going to have some attractive trade candidates because of the term on their deal and the way they're playing this year. I think they can – it sounds very weird to say this, but it seems like they have a surplus of defense, and they could go out and get somebody um, or get some capital and not really hurt the on-ice product because somebody's not playing now. So um, I think that's an area to watch. The The Brink thing is interesting because I thought John Tortorella's comments last week were very telling that – he doesn't have a role solidified in the NHL, and um, it's kind of one of those. Let's check it down a little bit. Let's you know. Let's not assume that this guy has because we have other guys that can step in, and I think that's where does does he need a reset? Does he need to go back down and play? I think it'd be tough for the amount of time he's already played in the NHL this year, but. Um, you also can't just have a guy that you're not going to play in big spots or you're going to play him 10 minutes a game. You want you want an option that's a little more reliable than that. So I don't think it would be the worst thing if Brink went down because he has struggled. 
he's a creative offensive player, but I think we've seen him struggle in the areas of the game that John Tortorella tends to notice the most. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're seeing his role diminish. And meanwhile, he has guys that can step in and be reliable in those other areas. And if they're getting enough scoring from their top six, they could probably afford to do that. So, But I do think that they're going to explore. If we know one thing about this hierarchy of this team, they're not going to lose sight of the future for right now. Um, we even talked last week to John Tortorella, and he started talking about a, a team that started a re- He didn't name the team. He started a rebuild, and then they made a big signing, and they kind of lost sight of the, the process. I don't know who he was talking about, but I think I have an idea <laughs> who he was talking about. Um, and I don't think this group is going to let that happen. So it will be very interesting. How do you, how do you kind of skirt the line of trying to make the playoffs and trying to think about the future at the same time? Um, I think the Flyers are in a good spot in the sense that they have some veteran guys that are on short deals that they could deal and also think about the future, but not really hurt the on ice product that much. So I do think they're in a decent spot when it comes to that. And I think a Torrey's injury is going to be one to watch. I, the team's called it a minor injury. We don't know what it is. It's undisclosed. When a guy hasn't played in 22 months, yep. though, I, I don't, I don't think the word minor exists when it comes to injury. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you saw the same thing with like Patrick Kane now is out of the lineup. And the first thing they do is say it doesn't have anything to do with his hip. I don't think people believe that. And the vagueness of the way hockey injuries are reported, I think, tends lends itself to not trusting the, well, it's not a big deal. Okay. Right. But I don't... I don't think anybody hears that and says, oh, this guy that missed two years, is it's, his injury is not a big deal. Or like in Kane's case, like this guy who, you know, had whatever that hip uh, resurfacing thing that he had done was, his injury is not a big deal. Nobody trusts that. I guarantee you in Detroit, they don't trust it. Right. So we'll see. Yeah. But to assume that it's not because they said the word minor, I don't think we can do that. And that's a huge deal in the top six because he makes everything fall into place. And uh, we talked a lot about how they can sustain this if they stay healthy. I feel like losing Sean Couturier would be like losing two players. So that it's a key thing. And they need to stay healthy to survive this especially when you mentioned the teams that they haven't played yet, that they have 12 games against. Yeah, I still think Couturier is still awfully important, that if they were to lose him for a significant amount of time, uh, they would really struggle. And I think if he plays Thursday night to open this homestand, that's a really great sign. If he doesn't, I mean, I think some some concerns are there because he didn't play the last two games. He had two days between games. They didn't practice today or on Tuesday. Uh, so if he was not good enough to go on third, you know, tomorrow night, Thursday night to open this homestand, I think that would raise some eyebrows and create some concern. But Couturier's injury will be worth following because it'll, of course, make their 
at least their decisions a little bit easier at Ford. But with Brink, I think they're probably talking a lot about Brink right now. Now that they're back home, I believe the people um, upstairs and the coaching staff are probably convening and talking a lot about where they want to go with Brink. I think the good thing about Brink is I do think this team will struggle to score at times, and I think he's just instant offense. I think he can give them a jolt of offense when they need it. So that's something to keep an eye on. But I just don't think it's healthy for him to be playing fourth-line minutes. I mean, he's had a number of games here. I think three in the last five of his games, he's played under 10 minutes. I mean, he, he shouldn't be playing nine minutes. At least have him in the 12, 13, 14 right. and, range. And the last few years, we've talked this way about Morgan Frost. This is not a player that you have up there to play on the fourth line. Right. Brink is not a player that you have to play on the fourth line. He's a small guy, offensive upside, shifty forward. That's not a player that plays on the fourth line and plays fourth line minutes. If he's going to play that, he should go down to, to the Phantoms and yeah. play more. Because you don't – Brink is in the lineup for his offense. Frost is in the lineup for his offense. They're not in there to play on the checking line. Yeah. So playing him on the checking line, I think it almost works against those type of players. So I, there is a decision to be made. Yeah, great point. For players that need confidence when they score or to score to have confidence, uh, if, they, if he's playing on a checking line, it's it's not doing the player any good. But these were the challenges, Joe, that I think we knew would be prevalent with the Flyers with, in a rebuilding season. If they were to actually surprise and win, you have to balance the future with the present of wanting to win games that night and also still develop players. And I think this is going to be a running theme all the way through March, and we'll see where it goes with this team. But, Joe, we will talk – all about it right here on the Flyers Talk Podcast. The Flyers come back home, big four-game homestand Thursday night, pre- and post-game live, produced by our very own Joe Fordyce. Joe, thank you so much. Great to see you. Great to chat with you. A big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru. And Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you so much for listening to the latest Flyers Talk Podcast. We were live at Rivers Casino in Philadelphia. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. 